So good morning everyone. We'd like to welcome you back to our City Builders online service. It's great to have you with us once again and we would just love to start this morning by praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for this time we're in this season. Lord God, this unprecedented year. Lord God, so many strange things happening. But Lord God, we know that you have the answer. And Father, this morning I pray that you would align our minds and our hearts with you. Lord God, we give you way in our lives. We pray for this church, Lord God, and for others that are listening. Father, that you would really impart into their lives the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you this morning for a real peace and a confidence that you are going to do great things in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning I'm talking about the power of one. And over the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about our nation. We've spoken about our nation's God-given birthright and that that is a birthright of freedom and blessing. When I talk about birthright, I'm talking about God's plans for the nation. And if we connect with him the right way and honour him, this is what he intends to do. I want to assure you this morning that God wants to bless you and he wants to bless his people. God has incredible plans for our nation. Quite often we can believe the worst when we think of the future. We believe the worst when we, when we shouldn't. And we believe the worst when we are not seeing what God is doing. Even people who are quite prophetic can see the problems and can get lost in them. In amidst the present chaos, we need to be able to see a better Australia than we have had in the past. God has intent and we need to be able to comprehend what he is seeing. I wanted to say this morning that there is a shift happening in the nations. Right now in this time, there is an internal shift on the inside of people. There is a shift of priorities and there is a shift in prayer. We are seeing our nation turn around and we are seeing people begin to pray like they never have before. I really believe that this represents a shift on the inside and an eternal, internal alignment with his purpose. This is the time for the Ecclesia, the church of the living God to rise. I want to read from Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 this morning. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory shall be seen upon you, and the Gentiles shall come to your light. I think this is a wonderful scripture. It's very, uh, you know, incredible. I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks that prophetically speaking, we are somewhere between the end of Isaiah uh, chapter 59 and Isaiah chapter 61. And it's time for the people of God to arise, shine. And as we align our lives with him, it is like there is a light that will begin to shine on you. When Jesus came into the earth, he was the light to the nations. And now he is in heaven, but he's poured out his Holy Spirit on the church. And we are called to be light. We are called to represent him. And the scripture is saying, arise, shine, for your light has come. The church must be ready because we have found out this year that things can happen very quickly. When God moves, things can begin to move quickly than we ever thought. You know, it's like we're going along and we're, you know, we're working away and, and you know, we don't see a lot happening. But all of a sudden, God is moving and things begin to happen. I believe now that the church in the nation is awakening. There is an awakening. And you know, the scripture says, awake, O sleeper. But I really believe that God is moving, God is stirring things, and God is waken, awakening the sleeping giant called the church. Let me assure you of this, the nature of God, even in times of difficulty and strife, is to give us better things, even amongst chaos. 
The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, we are part of a better covenant and we have better promises. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, it says the glory of the latter house is greater than the former. In other words, what God does in the future and what he does in and through his church is going to be greater than what happened in the past. And we really need to look forward to that with great, great hope. This month is an interesting month. Remember how we spoke about the seven months from Passover to, uh, to uh, the end of the month of October. This is very significant and things are happening. Uh, Dr. Jonathan David has spoken about the veil is being lifted. People are beginning to ask, what on earth am I doing? What is my purpose? What am I doing? I must return to my purpose. And I really believe this is the incredible season in God that we are in. You see, God allows shaking from time to time because he wants the hearts of men and women to return to him. You know, God wants people to connect with him, not because he wants to, you know, um, uh, dictate to us or anything like that, but he wants us to willingly follow him because his covenant with us is a covenant of great blessing. So this is a, a really incredible time. The last few weeks, I've been talking about the different focus and motivation and competencies of leadership in the 21st century. There is a different breed of leader emerging. And uh, it's not like they were never there. These people have been in the backgrounds and God has been preparing them over the months and over the years for this exact season that we are living in. And they are just becoming visible, you know, now. And uh, last week I spoke about having an excellent spirit. And I spoke about men like Joseph and uh, Daniel. And these men were there in the nation all the time. But it's only when the nation began to slide into the realm of darkness that the light of God became manifest around these men. And all of a sudden, they became a standout. And you know, I really believe that those who really let God to do a deep work in them in the days ahead, they can be a standout. They can be the Daniels. They can be the Josephs of this generation. This generation and these leaders that I'm talking about will know what it has, what it means, and what it is to have the power of one. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. I want to t uh, bring out some interesting verses in that chapter for you. John chapter 17, verse 9. Jesus said, I don't pray for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. This is Jesus himself saying, I don't pray for the world, but I'm praying for the ones that the Father has given me, the disciples, those ones that had chosen to follow him. In verse 15 and 16, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. This is verse 15 and 16. I think this is really relative to us, because, you know, sometimes we have conflict with our world. When the world is going one way, when the standards are dropping in our nation, when things that Christians and people like you and I and, and you know, uh, regular people in the society, society see things, see the institutions of the land, uh, you know, uh, failing because they've been let go to ruin, you know, um, we have conflict and we feel that. Um, the scripture says in verse 17, sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. And we've also talked about this year, this season, about the absolute importance and critical nature of having the spirit of truth at work in our lives. Because we're living in a time where we are seeing deception around about us. Verse 18 and 19. As you sent me into the world, Jesus speaking, 
I have also sent them into the world. He's talking about his disciples. And for their sake, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Right here, Jesus is setting the standard for leadership himself. In verse 20 and 21, he says, I do not pray for these alone. In other words, those following him at present but also for those who believe in me through their word. In other words, there are people out there in the community and in the world who are going to become disciples, they're going to become followers uh, in the future, and we should be praying for them as a church. And I know that there's uh, you know, many churches like that. We gather most days of the week as a, a community of faith, and we are really praying for our community and for people that they would really find God in this season. But this is really where it comes to. Jesus prays, and he prays that they may be one. In verse 22, uh, Jesus prays, and he said that they may be one as we are one. Do you know that uh, God the Father and the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are one. They are a picture of perfect oneness and perfect unity, and they operate together when you see them functioning through the Scripture, even at the creation of the world. God the Father was there, but it was Jesus, it was the Word who, sent, who went forth to spark creation. And the Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the deep. So this is how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit always work in perfect harmony, always work together. You know, the doctrine of the Trinity is very difficult to understand, but basically the Father is in heaven, and Jesus, the Son of God, became manifest on the earth. And after his resurrection ascended into the heaven, and then 50 days after his resurrection, the great Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, was poured out upon the church so that the church could continue the work. In verse 23, oh, sorry, verse chapter 22, Jesus prays that we would become one just as he is one with the Father and the Spirit. And in the next verse, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have also loved me. You can go back and have a look at this scripture. I'd really encourage you after the message and during this week to really dig in and have a look at this because I'm talking about the power of one. And when we come to that place of oneness together, as the body of Christ, things can really begin to turn around in the nation. You know, I'm thankful that we have uh, had years and years of uh, wonderful order in our nation, but now it is like in this time of chaos, it is like a disorder has set in. And we are seeing some things happening that I'm sure are not the will of God and are unfavorable. But God has an answer. And he always does in every generation. And I believe it is none other than the church of the living God in each city, in each community, that as they connect with God and as they find the heart of God, they can really rise up to be the answer in that place. So I really believe this is amazing prayer of Jesus because the most incredible sign to the world is that people can really come together as one. You know, this is what we call the power of one. And I believe that the church should have the power of one. You know, Jesus is praying that we would be one, just as he, the Father and the Son, are one. And this is really proof. In other words, this is a great miracle that you can take a person from this nation and you can take a person from that culture and you can take a person who has been broken down and down and out and you can take another one who's broken the law and failed God and maybe even been in prison. How God can bring all these together 
and he can form them together as his body, as the church in a city, so that he can do a great thing. And I really believe that uh, Jesus is saving the best to last. And these are the days where we are going to see God do his best because there is an awakening happening in the land. There is a stirring happening in the land. And God is uh, allowing the status quo to be unsettled. Why? Because he wants his church to wake up. He wants his church to become raised up. He is going to show his glory through the church. And I'm sure that in the days ahead, God is going to do many good things. Even though there may be difficulty, there may be stress. You know, when the lockdown started, I believe it was just going to be a matter of six weeks and it would be all over. But here we are now, months are rolling on. And months are rolling on and we are still in this space. But while we are here, there are things happening in people's lives where businesses are going broke, where mental health issues are going through the roof, where domestic issues or domestic violence is rising. These are the challenges, but uh, these are also times of great opportunity for the church. Arise, shine, for your light has come, the scripture says, and that's our time. In my experience, my friends and the people that I've really connected with in my life are often the most unlikely people. I've had best friends from Papua New Guinea and from uh, South Africa and from Nigeria and from the indigenous uh, community in the outback. And, you know, God brings all these people and, uh, and he connects them together because he's going to do something. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do in the future. God is going to do something great. God is going to turn things around. You know, God is going to shine. His light is going to shine into the darkness. So let's talk about Jesus for a moment, our model for life. Jesus took 12 men, and over a period of three and a bit years, he upgraded them from their present paradigm. Just say that with me, present paradigm. Everyone has a present paradigm, but our God is the God of the upgrade. And God wants to lift us up. He wants to elevate us. He wants to bring us, his people, into a new plane. You know, I spoke about how God has a covenant of blessing and freedom for our nation. But this especially relates to those that are his sons and daughters. Uh, you know, to those ones that are really given to him. So Jesus took this 12 motley crew from different backgrounds and he began to bring them together. And for three and a half years, they walked with him and he became their coach, their mentor, their, their role model. But not only that, he became their Lord and, their, and he was their God. See, during this three and a half years, he was preparing them for something. He was preparing them to make covenant. And in, uh, this happens, you see this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, where the Lord Jesus um, uh, celebrates the Passover meal with his 12 disciples. And this is very powerful because it, because it is the fulfillment of the old covenant, but it is also the 12 coming into uh, to, to covenant, breaking bread together, and Jesus was showing them how to move forward to receive the power to become one. He was preparing them for covenant. He was also preparing them for a supernatural mandate. And, in, and, and the, the people, the disciple, received that mandate, perhaps not fully understanding what it meant, in, Genesis, in, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, where he says, Go now into all the world and disciple the nations, teaching them to do everything I've told you. Jesus, at that moment, was getting ready to pass the baton to his disciples. But you see, they needed to come to this place of covenant first. 
This is the place of oneness that we need to be. And you know, uh, we know that if you look at the life of the disciples, that at times there was friction and there was fierce debate. And this was a pattern. Yet God brought this team together. And this is the team, this is the original team that Jesus established to carry the weight of the church. So in uh, Matthew chapter 28, the mandate is made known. He was preparing them for the maximum download from heaven. Because you see, Jesus, their Lord, their leader, their mentor, the one who meant so much to them, the one who God revealed as the Lord and Christ to Peter was about ready to be taken away through a, a tremendously painful death. But this was the death that was prophesied by the, by the prophet Isaiah that spoke about the redemption of man. This is such a pivotal point in history. But during this time, he was preparing them for maximum download. If you can think of that this morning, because in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, that is actually what happened. The scripture says that they were in one place and they were in one accord. You know, here we are now, Jesus has gone up into the heavens. They've seen it before their very eyes. And now, here we have 120 followers of Jesus in the upper room looking to heaven for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the scripture talks about suddenly something happened. And I really believe that this also speaks of the time we're in because I am of the belief and the conviction that the church age started with an apostolic outpouring from heaven and it started with an outpouring or a, or a thrust out into the nation with apostolic energy and thrust. You know, the word apostolic, it's a bit of a buzzword in the nations, but ultimately the word apostle, apostolos, which where it comes from means sent forth, you know, sent forth into the nations. And this is what God did from the upper room. You know, the Holy Spirit came down, but God arranged the circumstances to push them out into the nations. And we are the beneficiaries of the message that they carried, even here in this great south land of Australia. It was quite clear that during that period uh, and during their apostleship that there were clashes. They were certainly a colourful bunch. Now the word talks about unity and it talks about oneness a lot. And here's a couple of scriptures for you to look at during the week. I just want to announce them to you. I haven't really got time to go through them this morning, but Psalm 127, it talks about... Um, it talks about how uh, unless the Lord builds the house, uh, those that labor, labor in vain. It talks about how where there is unity, God commands the blessing. So we are talking this morning about the power of one, and the word does say a lot about this. Firstly, in Psalm 133, it says that uh, where there is unity, God commands the blessing. So it's like when we come together in the name of the Lord, God is about ready to do something there. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, uh, I mentioned it before, it's about when they're in the upper room in one place and in one accord. And then some other scriptures that are really worth looking about is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6, verse 11 to 13, and verse 15 and 16 because this is all about, this is such a key to breakthrough. We, uh, you know, so this, this idea of the power of one is something to be understood and it's something to be pursued. So this is really, really important. And, uh, you know, sometimes people have, you know, when they come into the life of the church and when they come to Christ, they are absolutely miraculously born again. But sometimes there are shadows of the past that hold them out of that unity with the body. Here's a couple of examples. Past hurts. 
You know, sometimes people are very hurt by their journey through life to come before they come to Christ. And when they come to Christ does not mean that everything of the past is dealt with. And sometimes they have to find the way forward with the help of coaches and mentors who are further down the track. Here is another thing that keeps people out of that place of unity, fear of rejection. You know, this is really a common thing in our society where people fear being rejected. So it is almost like they reject themselves. It's almost like they draw themselves out of the game before they can be rejected. Previous bad experiences. Sometimes people have had previous bad experiences in their family home, in the school, and sometimes even in churches. These are previous bad experiences which stop people from moving forward to the breakthroughs that God has for them and that God wants for them. Sometimes there are internal dynamics like anger and fear. Sometimes these things, when people are getting close to people, they rise up so it keeps them in a state of aloneness. And one of the things that keeps us out of oneness in Australia is what I call the spirit of independence. You know, a great thing about Australians is they can think for themselves and, uh, you know, they can work things out on their own, but God has not called us to be like that. God no longer wants us to be independent. He does not want us to be dependent either. He wants us to be interdependent. In other words, God wants to bring people together. He wants to reveal himself to them and he wants to bring them together as uh, like living stones that make up and build the house of God. So this morning, I want to bring some, uh, a couple of points about that will help us to have the power of one. We can have the power of one. Number one, when we have the same spirit that Jesus had. You know, one of the greatest miracles is the birth of the church, which happened in the upper room when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, there is a promise made because the word says, for the promise is not only to this generation, but it's to every generation, to everyone that is called, and to even who are, the many who are far off. And this morning, we are able to receive the promise, the same promise that was poured out in the upper room on the day of uh, Pentecost, when the, when the Feast of Pentecost had fully come, that Holy Spirit was poured out. But do you know what? I can receive that today. And I have. And that gift is available to you. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we can have the power of one when we have received the same Spirit. Because it is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, if you receive the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he'll also give life to your mortal bodies. I'll tell you what this means, that God is at work in us today just as much as he was in the life of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. So we can have the, the, uh, the power of one when we have the same spirit. You know, uh, if you are born again and I am born again and we are both approaching the throne of God together, we can have a spiritual agreement. You know, we can pray together and we can see things happen. You know, one person, the scripture says, puts to flight a thousand, but two people put to flight 10,000. The scripture says in the gospels but that where two or more gathered and agree and pray, it'll be established. This is the promise of God to us. You know, over the last, uh, for most of this year, our church has been praying every morning and we've been waiting on God in this very unusual season. And you can see things begin to happen. We can see prayers beginning to be answered. We can see the Holy Spirit coming on people and the young people. And we see even the children beginning to break through. Because you see what's happening? We are receiving the same spirit that Jesus had. 
Um, number two, we can have the power of one when we are called by God to a common purpose or assignment. Jesus did not make the assignment clear right at the start. When he met the disciples, he said, hey, come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, all they knew is that there was something going to happen in the nation. You know, there was something going on and there was an expectation. And Jesus was not quite the man that everybody expected to see. But there was something on the inside of these ones that followed him that were able to identify that he was the Messiah. But Jesus did not make the assignment clear until further on in the process. I often think, why is that? Why did he wait right till the book of Matthew, chapter 28, to give the assignment? I reckon it's a bit like this. When God calls us together, we have a sense of purpose, but assignment is revealed over time. So 41 and a half years ago, I know that God called Lynn and myself to be uh, together in marriage. And I remember back in those days, you know, it was because we got on so well, because, you know, we really were great friends and we had this sense of destiny that was there over our lives. And from the very day that we were married together, we determined that we would follow God. But it's, it's quite amazing because we didn't know what our assignment was. And now, after all these years, I can say that every day as the days go by, it's clearer why God brought us together. Because we have a, an assignment. And God has given every church an assignment. And sometimes all we know is that we are called to lead a church. But as we walk together in destiny... And as we begin to pray and look to God, it is like he reveals the assignment. And I wanted to say to our City Builders community that right now I feel that we are coming into our time where our assignment is so clear. That we're here for the city and we're here to see lives restored and rebuilt. But we're also here for the region and the nation because God is going to do something right across this nation. I believe this is the now time for the City Builders Church, for everyone who's associated with, and this is where we don't want to get too caught up in the, in the chaos and in the negativity because, you know, in Isaiah chapter 60, it was when the nation was in deep darkness that God said, Arise, shine, for your light has come. So this is, uh, this is the great era and the great season that we're in. Number three, we can have the power of one when we serve faithfully and humbly together. We can have the power of one when we serve faithfully and humbly together. Over the last couple of years, God called us into this project where we restored these old stables. And there is nothing like growing together as a team when you have a vision and you begin to work shoulder to shoulder with people. This is how God plans us to be. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah called the workforce. He called them together. He called those that had a mind to work. And he said, let us arise and build. And that was a call. That was a mandate. That was an assignment. But when you have an assignment and you go shoulder to shoulder with your brothers, it brings a sense of unity because we are here not for our own selves. You know, we come and we benefit from the fellowship and the blessing and everything that is there, the, the presence of God. But we are called to build together. We are called to reach out to the city and to the nation. We are called to bring the Word of God and to promote it together. You know, we are called to disciple a nation because the mandate has never changed. Now what we need to do is we need to be shoulder to shoulder with our brothers and sisters and recognize the assignment and do the assignment together and have a lot of fun and see God at work as we go about it. So there's nothing like working on a project together. I believe that future success is not a solo 
project. This is a time where God wants to gather his people, gather them together. You know, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, don't forsake the gathering together as is the manner of some. Some people are out of church. Some people are out there on their own. Some people are isolated. Some people are even part of the church, but they're very on their own. But God wants us to come further. He wants us to serve faithfully and humbly together. So future success is not a solo project. You know, in the previous um, 50, 60 years, post-war period in the last century, I think was the era of the big ministries, the big names. But in the days ahead, God is going to use average people and they are going to do extraordinary things. As we spoke last week about having an excellent spirit, God raised somebody out of the prison here to lead the nation. This is what God does. So the next era is the most exciting. So number one, we can have the power of God or the power of one when we have the same spirit that Jesus had. Number two, when we are called by God to a common purpose or assignment. Number three, when we, are, we serve faithfully and humbly together. And number four this morning, when we are upgraded to the next level. And this is Ephesians chapter, uh, or this is the book of Ephesians, and it is Acts chapter 19. So I'll just go to Acts 19. So we can, uh, we can have the power of one when our lives become um, upgraded to the next level. Often, if we open our heart to the new, we can see things differently. And in... Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul said to the church, he said, I pray, he said, therefore I also, this is verse 15 in Ephesians chapter 1, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I think this is amazing because this shows the heart of Paul, who is an apostolic father to the church. And if you connect this back to Acts chapter 19, the apostle Paul came into the region and there's a handful of believers. But he begins to upgrade these men and these women just from a small group in a lounge room to being a church that changed the whole region. This is a remarkable miracle, and this is what God wants to do. See, I believe it's like this, that when God brings us together, he brings us from here and from here and from here and over here, and we're, and we're all different. We may have different views, different opinions, a different concept even of who God is. But as we allow ourselves to be upgraded, you know, God begins to do something very powerful. And in Acts chapter 4, or sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, this is the reason that Jesus put leaders in the church. He said, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, these men and women who are like leadership gift, ascension gifts to the church, are there to upgrade the church. And if we allow ourselves to be upgraded, we come into this incredible place of unity. It's like as we go higher on God's mountain together, we are becoming one. God wants us to have the power of one. Jesus prayed. He said, I pray that you would be one so that the whole world would know. You know, I really believe it is a dark time, but there is a oneness coming in the church. There is a new season coming in the church, and we are going to see a unity like never before because this is the key to the season. You know, some people are just tucked away in their little church and in their little community, and it's, and it's like isolated and it's tucked away. 
But in these days ahead, God is going to bring the remnant together. He's going to bring the body of Christ together and God is going to do something. Do you know what I believe as that happens in the region of Gippsland? We're going to see the city open up. We're going to see the pathways, the old pathways open up. We're going to see churches open up. It's going to have an impact into the state and even the state is going to become open. Why? Because we have the power of one. If two can genuinely stand together and agree, we can bring heaven down. We can live under that open heaven. And this is the remarkable thing about the season we're ahead. I long to be upgraded. You know, I've been a pastor for uh, around 30 years. It's gone like a flash. It sounds like a long time though, 30 years. But I can tell you one thing I've done is every year, and probably every week I seek for something to upgrade me. I want to know more about what God's saying. I want to access the grace that is available to me. I want to be skilled for my job. So, you know, uh, I might be getting to be a bit, in a sense, an old boy, but let me tell you about something with me. There's a young spirit on the inside. And, uh, you know, when we keep coming to God, when we keep looking to the upgrade, we never lose our effectiveness. And I I want you to know this, in this season ahead, God is going to use some kids. Some little children are going to be mightily used, even in this region in the days ahead. Youth are going to be used. They're going to be like young ones that have set themselves apart. They've come to their pastor and said, would you train me for the next level? You know, if only we had a heart to be like that, a teachable spirit. God Show me the pathway. God, lead me into the next level. God, what do we got to do? And you know, often the answer is in the house. So uh, we will find the power of one when we are trained to the next level. When you go through Acts chapter 19, you see the levels that the church went through. Twelve people in a room. Next thing. Paul begins to lay hands on them. He begins to impart the Holy Spirit into them. Then he begins to take them into the school of Tyrannus and he begins to train them. And these believers become next level believers. God wants us to become a next level leader. Not only so that we're good at church work, but we are to be good in the workplace. We're to be good in the area of media. We're, we're excellent in the realm of governance. This is an excellent spirit. You know, if you allow God to raise you up, God will bring you to that place where you have an excellent spirit on the inside. This is where the God of the upgrade will begin to kick in and he'll begin to activate you so that you can go to the next level. So this is very good. Um, This morning, I just want to bring you to one last point, and we are going to continue on this week, but I really believe something is very important, Um, uh, and this is, we will have the power of one when our lives become aligned under the Lord Jesus Christ. We will have the power of one when our lives become aligned under the lives of Jesus Christ. You know, this is what the Scripture says. It says that he who uh, believes, he who confesses that Jesus is the Lord and he believes in his heart that God raised from the dead and he confesses with his mouth, he shall be saved. That is the first step. That is entry point. But as we learn to align our lives under Christ, you will find other people just like you. This is what we call the church. This is God at work in the church. This is what God's doing. So when we, we will have the power of one when our lives become more aligned under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I just want to read to you a scripture here from Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, He has delivered us, this is Jesus, Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities and powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and him and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. This is talking about who Jesus is. Jesus is God. And today our Lord Jesus Christ is seated in the heavens. And it is like if we can align our lives and our hearts with him, our whole lives can change. You know, uh, the heart of God is that he would gather people together. You know, um, Jeremiah chapter 3, uh, 15 talks about how God is going to raise up shepherds after his own heart that will gather the flock together. Do you know what? God wants us to find our place. He wants us to be one in the body. He wants us to be a functional part of his church. He wants us to become part of his ecclesia. This is God's heart. We've got to find our place. And you know, this is what God has for you. God is looking for a new generation of believers in this uh, 21st century. In Romans chapter 8, the scripture says, the whole of the earth is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. These are the sons and daughters that have allowed God to do a work in them and they have begun to uh, have a revelation of what really it means to have the power of one. Jesus prayed and he said, I pray that you would become one so that the world may know. So that the world may know. This is the ultimate proof. This morning, I just really want to pray for you that you would just be put in the, you know, gathered into the right place and fitted into the body the way that God intended to you. I pray that you would understand what it means to have the power of one. You know, uh, right now in this nation, the church needs to come together. You know, like not everybody believes the same thing. Not everybody agrees the same thing. But when we allow God to do a work on the inside of us, we can have the power of one. There is a synergy and an energy that can be released that can turn things around. I believe that God's going to turn the nations around. But the first step this morning is number one, you connecting with God the right way. The very first thing that you need to do if you've never done that before is open your life to Jesus. Open your life to him. You know, your heart is like a compartment on the inside of you. And it is made in a very special way so that God can come and live on the inside. And this morning I want to give you, wherever you are, whether you've been a member of our church and part of this church for many months or years or whatever, this morning I want to invite you to open the door of your life and to ask Jesus to really come in and live on the inside of him. And the second thing is, is that after we've received Christ, we begin to go on this journey of coming up that mountain of God because the higher we get, there is a power of one that is there. So Father, we just thank you for this morning and I thank you for every person that's listening. I thank you for this church, uh, Father, this city builders community. Father, I thank you for every person who's listening. I thank you for every member of this church, every spiritual son and daughter. Lord God, I pray that you would bring an incredible oneness. It's not something you have to strive for. It is something that God does on the inside of us as we learn to walk with one another, as we learn to apply the principles of Scripture and we allow his spirit to work on the inside. Our lives, when they become aligned under the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be the power of one. Father, we give you thanks. If you've never received Christ into your life before, I just want to, in, in a moment, I want to 
Uh, guide you in a prayer so that you can respond and so that he can enter your life. So many people that I know have at some stage opened the door of their life and said, Jesus, come on in. And it is like their life has become so changed. You know, there is only one key to change, and that is to be genuinely born again. There is only one key to the nation's changing, and it is us, his church, having the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and understanding what it means to have the power of one. God, I pray that you'd teach us to stand together as your church so that we can see your uh, assignment in this city and region completed. Right now we're going to pray. Just pray these words after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and ask for your forgiveness. I believe in Jesus Christ, that he is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you have raised him from the dead. I want to trust him as my saviour and follow him as Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will all the days of my life. I pray this in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Once again, I want to say it's really wonderful to, uh, to have had you with us this morning. And uh, we will each week be praying for you, for those that are listening on, uh, who we don't see regularly, and we'll be praying God's blessing over you. We'll be praying that God brings you into his perfect will for your life. And if you would like to find out more about what we're talking about, then you know there's some great resources that we can make available to help you on your journey. And you are more than welcome to contact us on our website. So God bless you and have a wonderful day. God bless.